Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. We are back with another episode in our series, Keeping It Local, Leaning Into Discipleship in Your Local Context. The heart behind this series is to encourage us all to seek out conversations like we have on Journey Women every week with women who we're doing life with wherever we are. This episode is really special. It's with my pastor's wife, Dory Williman. As you'll hear, Dory put together this team of women in my local church who are coming alongside us in the work that the Lord has set before us here at Journey Women by praying for us and offering their wisdom. And the really awesome part is, we get to share some of them with you in the coming weeks. We're gonna be talking with them about how to be discipled, peer-to-peer discipleship, and the nuts and bolts of discipleship. But today, we're talking about what it's like to be the mentor in another woman's life. Listen to what Dory said. All of life, it's about who you know, and who you know is the Lord. And so you learn to listen for the place in which someone is trusting or not trusting in the work of the gospel. I think we can laser focus on that and keep that central, always looking through that lens. It's like, where do you hear Mm -hmm. gospel faith, and where do you hear the need for encouragement to trust in that? As you can hear, Dory is passionate about cheering on the work of the gospel in the lives of others. In fact... She gets so passionate that you can even hear her pounding on the table a couple of times in the best of ways. Now, on to my conversation with Dory. Dory, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Hunter. This is so fun. I'm going to introduce you a little bit. Uh, You are the pastor's wife at my church here in Hanover, New Hampshire. We found our church uh, the first Sunday. Actually, I think we moved in on a Saturday and came to church the next day and have been there ever since. It's called Christ Redeemer Church. Uh, but I would love for the listeners just to get to hear you explain a little bit more about who you are and what you do. And of course, we'll fill in the gaps as we go along. Okay. Well, um, I moved to Hanover, New Hampshire almost, well, 20 years ago with my husband, Don, who is the pastor of Christ Redeemer Church that we call CRC. We moved here to plant a church. Um, We're not originally from New England, both from the Midwest, but God had uh, very clearly led us here to start um, this church, this work. Praise the uh, Lord. <laughs> with uh, with no one in hand other than our children. We moved here um, without a team. Um, we had a great deal of support behind us, both um, financially and in prayer and even in heart and soul for what we were doing. And that um, that's why we came to this place. 
and we have seen God do an amazing work. It's a transient place, so people are uh, are in and out. That's mostly due to Dartmouth College being right here. So anything that revolves around academics, like yourself, that brings people in, um, often ha- takes them out to go for continuing education or to go to places where they're applying their education. And so um, we have watched uh, some people come and stay and some people come and go. And it's been a great opportunity to watch the Lord work in a place that many were apprehensive, uh, that we were kind of told the Lord bless you going there and we'll see. But God has been faithful and that's been really exciting. So I've walked alongside my husband uh, for these past 20 years in this ministry. We have four kids who are now all officially adults. So that um, uh, that has been a recent change for me, but really have been doing the same thing all along the way as a pastor's wife, as a wife, as a mother, and doing women's ministry, which I love. And the Lord has given me many contexts in which to do that. So I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. Talk a little bit about what you do on campus, because you also work with Christian Union, an organization, a ministry on campus in which you're actually engaging in discipleship relationships with Dartmouth College students. And I'd love for them to hear a little bit about that too. Yeah, it's it's been a fun journey because I think that um, early on in my walk with the Lord, uh, as a recipient of someone who had um, been discipled in college especially, I, um, I fell in love with the process of discipleship, really felt very called to that and very committed to that. And that's actually the role I've always seen myself in, in terms of ministry and walking alongside Don and uh, within the church that has given me much opportunity. And because we are in a college town and have always welcomed and encouraged college students to have a church home, while they are in college, we have always had a presence of college students and I, I love them and I have begun building relationships with them and, uh, and discipling them. And that naturally um, has flowed into this opportunity that one of the campus ministries here at Dartmouth, they were in need of someone, uh, someone who was here to stay and that is definitely me. And so I have been able to step in that role and really broaden and further my um, my scope of, of discipleship. And so that's been super exciting to see. So I spend a lot of time with women in general, young women on campus, and enjoy that as well as other age groups as well of women just in the church. Yeah, it was so incredible to get to come here and just to have a pastor's wife who has such an incredible heart for discipleship. And the Journey Women listeners know, like, I have announced this to them on Instagram. Like you have been uh, so supportive in this desire in my heart, just to come up underneath the authority of our local church and really to try and develop a team of women who are coming alongside journey women um, and just praying and offering their wisdom, offering their insight and their feedback and things like that. So man, I'm so grateful for you, Dory. And it's just a joy to get to chat with you today. And I know your heart for discipleship. I want to hear what role discipleship has played in your own life. I know you are passionate about making disciples Have you been discipled? Do you have a longing to be discipled? What does that look like over the past, how many, how many years have you been walking with Jesus? That's a great question. I've been a follower of Jesus for over 40 years. So a long time, I think right out the gate, I was an eager beaver. I wanted to learn. I wanted to understand. I wanted to grow. And, um, I did not grow up in a home that, uh, 
discipleship was available. So that was not really an opportunity that I had. I did grow up in the church. Um, I was kind of a, a kid who was taken to church and dropped off. So um, often wasn't really known, but uh, by the time I was in junior high, high school, was involved in a youth group. And so I had a lot of youth leaders in general. Those were more distant relationships, kind of upfront as teachers and um, but really profited from that. But it, when I went to college, I got involved in a campus ministry there, um, somewhat by default, didn't know what I was looking for. And it really was there that I, um, I was so thrilled to have the opportunity for people to kind of pour into me, invest in me, and who I could follow. And, and right from the, my freshman year, there was a gal who um, she... Uh, she was a student. She was a fellow student, a couple years older than me. She actually was a new Christian. I'd been a Christian far longer than she had. And I was invited to be a part of her, a Bible study she was doing on campus. And then that very first time we met, she had, she told me that she was going to be praying for me. I had never had anyone my own age tell me that. And so that brought me back and I kept coming and coming and she was great about just letting me spend time with her and get to know with her, get to know her. We would go after, between classes, we had classes that were uh, in the same building and between classes, we would walk back to her apartment um, every Friday and we would make muffin, jiffy apple cinnamon muffins to my, to this day, I have such fond memories of those and we would, we would bake them and eat them. We would just talk and she she gave a great thing to me in that she just wanted to know me and and wanted to share herself with me and i think at the heart of that's what discipleship is and so i think that that fed that hunger i had and then that hunger just continued to grow and all along the way particularly in college the lord brought um, many uh, women who who invested in me in that, that way. They were available to me. They spent time with me. They encouraged me, sometimes challenged me uh, very directly. And they had a great impact on my, um, on my walk with the Lord and my hunger for the Lord and my desire to give that away and do that to other women. Well, I just have to say, when we got together for the first time, you kind of knew I was going to be asking you to speak into my life. We'd kind of exchanged a couple of emails. And one of the first things that you said to me was like, just tell me about yourself. And this was only after I had gone into this really long spiel about everything that I could see as far as like our church kind of partnering with Journey Women and things like that. And I like lay out this huge like business plan and all the numbers and all this different stuff. And then you're like, why don't you just tell me about yourself? <laughs> it was so wonderful. And it was such a great reminder to me because I can often be so business oriented, I think, when it comes to even like these types of spiritual matters and really getting to know one another's hearts. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what discipleship is because we've used the word. Even you and I were chatting earlier and you said it's a little bit of an archaic word like now with the younger kids, which I guess I'm in my 30s, so I didn't know, (laughs) Uh, but our demographic will. So uh, what is mentoring? What is discipleship? How do you define those terms? I think it's defined in many ways. I think for me, the way I look at it most is that discipleship is being a cheerleader for the work of the gospel in someone's life. Ooh, I love that. And I mean, the the gospel in and of itself has the power to uh, 
to save us and to transform us. Mm -hmm. And that's organic. And I I think that uh, to walk alongside that, it's kind of like, think of it this way. At the end of fall, when your pumpkin is uh, ready to be thrown away and you might forget and you can toss it out in the backyard, mm-hmm. those that pumpkin will rot and those pumpkin seeds will grow and you will have a pumpkin perhaps where you don't want it to grow. Right. That's happened to me on more than one occasion. <laughs> uh, live and learn. And, and so that, and that's fine. It's organic. It's the nature of pumpkin seeds. It's the nature of growing. But if you want the best pumpkin, the most robust and healthy pumpkin, you're better off planting it, uh, planting those seeds intentionally in a garden than cultivating them and nurturing them. And, and then that will affect the end product. I think it's the same thing with discipleship that as someone comes into a relationship with God and by nature, the work of the gospel in them will transform them over time. Mm -hmm. But how much more, um, effective and productive the gospel is in their life when that's cultivated and tended in their life. And I think we weren't made to do that all by ourselves. We were made to live in community as the body of Christ. And so um, that I, the discipleship is that that cultivation. It is that tending. Um, and it's, it's cheering that on. Mm-hmm. So I'm not responsible in one sense for the work of the gospel in someone's life, but I can um, I can help cultivate that. I can help um, uh, give eyes to the gospel in someone's life. And I, that makes a huge difference, made a huge difference in my life. And it makes a difference. And I think at the heart, that's what I see discipleship as. I think a lot of times we're thinking about who should disciple us, where should we be looking to for discipleship? I think it's really interesting to think about that definition and then also to ask the question, like, who is it that we want to uh, come alongside us in that sense of cheering on the gospel in our life? Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. So what kind of woman are we looking for when we're looking to surround ourselves with cheerleaders, if you will, for the gospel? Um, And what would you say? Like, what does a disciple maker look like? Well, I think it's it's not always just about age. It's really about maturity. Mm -hmm. And I think if uh, if someone knows the Lord and has walked with the Lord for a few seasons, particularly a few seasons beyond where you are, and uh, loves the word and walks with integrity. Um, I think if you see someone observationally who who has influence, that's actually a, a good indication. Someone who is available and interested in doing that. Um, I, I think those are the things that I would look for. And 
one of my encouragements would be to, when you think about entering into a relationship with that as the disciple, you're not necessarily looking for uh, one one person. Mm-hmm. Um, often we're not in a position, and especially with the way our culture is moving towards not being in the same place often for very long, mm-hmm. the longevity that we're, that we have in a place, we, we just move around a lot. We're, right. we're global people. And so I think that to just think that there's going to be one magic person, kind of like your discipleship mate, uh, I don't, I don't think that that will serve us best. Um, obviously you're, you're looking for, uh, women who will be that in your lives. And even if we think of that cheerleading image, you don't want mm-hmm. one cheerleader out there on the sideline. You kind of have a group of people. And I think mm. that, that the idea that we can, that we can have that. And I think it, and a lot of it depends on your situation. You know, many, many of your listeners might be in a place where there, uh, there are many resources. They're mm-hmm. in a, they're in a large church that has many, many opportunities. Um, but some of your listeners might not be They might be in more isolated places. Mm -hmm. They might be in churches that are struggling in their resources. Um, They might not have a lot of freedom in their own life. They, uh, they might be, they might have limitations. And so what does, what does a person like that do who desperately wants this thing and they're having a hard time looking for, for that? And I think the idea of thinking in a broader sense that Mm -hmm. I might not get everything from one person, but who, who out there could, um, could cheer me on because they know Mm -hmm. they've walked a road. And I think that looking for that is, is the most helpful perspective to have and and maybe the most realistic. Cause I I think many of us have known, I, I live in a, I live in a place that doesn't have a lot of resources. And so if I myself were to just think, well, you know, who is that one person who's going to come along and just guide me. I I haven't been able to have that in many ways. And so I've Mm -hmm. had to kind of piecemeal and that's not to slight any woman who's been in my life. It's just been the most realistic and ultimately has been effective. I feel the same way, just having lived a really transient life with Brooks and I being in the military for the last eight years. I mean, I've had the blessing of having like an official kind of more how defined relationship with some older women in certain locations, but not always. And really that's kind of why journey women came about because I'm like there there aren't as many women in this location just by nature of the military there's not that many older women who have walked with Jesus longer than I have and there are a lot of listeners who they're overseas like doing mission work or they're a pastor's wife like yourself where they may be the most mature believer in their proximity and so I think that's a real challenge so I want to talk about that and we'll pocket that for later. Like, what do we do when we don't have someone that we feel like we want to learn from necessarily in our proximity? But I would love for you to expound upon what you were talking about um, in relation to gathering a group of women who can come alongside you in that capacity. Does that need to be like a formal conversation? And, And if so, what would it look like to kind of humbly submit ourselves to women like that in our lives? Can you just touch on like what that's looked like for you and what your experience has been with women coming to you as a more mature woman? I want to say older woman. Is that offensive? I mean, older in maturity in a positive way. If the shoe fits, wear it. And, so it, <laughs> and it fits. <laughs> doesn't bother me at all. (laughs) But you know, um, as somebody coming to you, a younger woman to a woman that has more spiritual maturity, what have, what conversations have been helpful 
uh, that you've seen that have helped kind of clarify maybe your relationship and the role that you play in their life? That's a great question. I think um, I, I actually am in a position where I often have particularly um, young women, very young women, come and ask me to mentor them, to disciple them. And that's actually the best thing. Mm-hmm. They're most direct when they come and they ask for that. Okay. From that, I take that question and I ask them what they mean by that. Because mm-hmm. uh, many times I'll have someone who they have been advised by uh, by someone else, especially if they're new mm-hmm. to an area, find someone to mentor you. Yeah. You know, find someone to disciple you. And so they, they're kind of being obedient to that. Yeah, like, like everyone listening to this podcast right now. Absolutely. <laughs> and so it's a great idea. And so I think it is good to ask um, it is good to ask and what, you know, that can mean many things to you. But I think mm-hmm. if you, the more specifically you can ask for things, you're asking for help. And what do you need help in? You might, you might want someone to pray with you. That's a great way to start. And most, most women can offer that if, if they know the Lord and that to, will you pray with me? Um, I meet regularly with an older woman who that's really the nature of our relationship. We pray together. She knows all about my life because we have prayed yes. together for my life. That's and, how I learned to pray. Yeah, praying that, with other women. Yes. And that's invaluable. So you could just start by asking someone, will you pray with me? Mm-hmm. Will you teach me to pray? Um, I, I think you can ask someone about the word. Will you help me understand uh, the Bible? Will you read the Bible with me? Um, especially if you're intimidated by the word and you feel like you don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. But even if you have spent a lot of time reading the word and you, you don't know how to interact with it. I think mm-hmm. it's great to read the scriptures with someone, or maybe there's a, maybe there's a more of a focus to uh, what is a felt need for you. Maybe you're trying to know how to be a mom. You know, what does it mm. mean to be a godly mom? What does it mean to be a godly wife? What does it mean to be a godly friend? What does it mean to be um, a Christian in the workplace? You know, what does what does it mean to be, how do you juggle all that? You might have real practical questions that someone, someone has stuff to offer you. And I think if you ask for that help, mm-hmm. then that, that gives that woman the opportunity to say, oh, well, you know, yeah, I, I can, I can help you with that. And so I think you start small and then, then, you know, just those bonds of relationship grow. And then I, I kind of feel like one need and one met need begets another need mm-hmm. and met need. And then, then it goes and it shares. And, and part of what you're asking is someone to share their life with you. Mm-hmm. So can I just know you? Yeah. Like, will you tell me, you know, will you tell me your story? Will you tell me your story of, of how you know the Lord or, you know, what was it like? What have been the hard things that you've walked through? Mm-hmm. You know, what have been, um, how have you, you know, how have you been a good neighbor? All kinds of things. And I think mm-hmm. that when we have those questions, I really think questions are the key to that, mm. um, to discipleship in general. And I think that um, I, I still remember when I, uh, actually when I first started out as a, as a pastor's wife in ministry, and I was being mentored by a, by a woman, and she, she said that to me. She goes, you really don't have many questions. And I thought, what do you mean? Like, what questions do you want me to you're ask? Like, you're supposed to be teaching me. Yes. It's like, you know, just give I'm me everything. I'm at your feet. Give me everything. And I, <laughs> it took me a while to, um, to understand what she meant by that. And I think that the most advantageous 
position to be in as a learner is to ask questions. And I think we have to learn to ask questions mm-hmm. and l- learn to ask all of those questions. And in, in the questioning and in the answering, I think that's where we get that life on life. That's where we're taking the gospel mm-hmm. to not just theoretical. I mean, we need to know the word and we want knowledge and we want information, but we need to know how to apply it. And that's not, that's not always straightforward. Um, that often is where we find the challenge. And so I think that through those questions and, and answers is really, um, really how we begin. So as we're going about those questions and not just seeking to ask questions of people who are mentoring us, but Dory, one of the things I've seen you do so beautifully, even in our short time together, is asking questions to engage the heart of your disciple. So it's kind of a twofold push and pull from what I've observed from you already. Um, What should be central in our quest to know each other and engage one another relationally? Well, I think that as as a discipler, as the mentor, I'm always uh, I'm looking at the potential work of the gospel. I'm wanting to know someone for who they are, where they are, and how they are. I want to create a, a space and a place where they feel safe to be that, where they. Um, I love that process of asking them questions and getting to know them and and understanding who they are. And then, but I'm not stopping just at who they are. I'm I'm looking past who they are to who they are becoming and and taking them on that road and, and seeing what needs to happen developmentally to encourage that. You know, like where do they need to be challenged? Um, where, what opportunities do they need? How can I look out for them on that pathway? Because I can see both at once. I can see where they are in the woman that they are becoming, and I and I can hold that simultaneously, so that I can be helpful to their development, and and, and then to keep going forward and to pursue that. Yeah, that's absolutely excellent, and I think that emphasizes what we are trying to emphasize in this entire series that yes, you can learn from people in an online format. Mm -hmm. You can, uh, but you don't have the benefit of having a mutual kind of relationship where the person on the other side is able to see you as clearly so that they can do exactly what you're saying, where they see who you are and who you're becoming. And they're able to come alongside you and speak into that in your everyday context. Mm -hmm. So that is such an encouragement to me. What encouragement do you have for somebody who feels like they long for that? They really want that. They pray for that, but they don't feel like they have that. Is that for the disciple or the disciple Lee? Ooh, that's a great question in response. Look at you using. (laughs) I was thinking about it from the context of a learner. So for someone who desires to submit themselves to a, an older woman with the hope of learning from her and having her speak into her life in that capacity. Um, But I think that's a really great point because actually I found myself on the other end where there's a lot of times that I feel like I'm ready to make disciples, but it feels really presumptuous to me to go to a girl who's 10 years younger than me and say like, Hey, you want me to disciple you? Like that feels pretentious in some ways. So Let's talk about that first, and then we'll touch back on the woman who feels like she yearns to be discipled. So what do you do if you have the desire to disciple, but you have nobody coming alongside you saying like, hey, will you disciple me? Because I find 
that's actually really rare. Um, maybe because of the nature of being a pastor's wife and also working on staff at a ministry, that might be more prevalent for you. But I don't know, maybe I'm just immature and nobody wants to learn from me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think actually it is, uh, I have found that it is not that common, even in the context of being a pastor's wife, um, that I don't have many people who come and ask me. Mm -hmm. And and yet I have a heart of one who wants to disciple. And so what mm-hmm. do we, um, what do we do with that? Uh, and I think there's a number of different things that, that, you know, if, if one is feeling that led by the Lord in that, and they, they want to invest, they want to be obedient to the call that we have in scripture to make disciples. And how, how do you approach that? I think there are many ways. I think one, you can be really direct. It's like, you know, I, I would really like to walk alongside you. Uh, I would like to, um, you know, I, I'm I, I'm a little older, uh, maybe a little wiser, or maybe I've, you know, been down the life of hard knocks, and uh, I have something to give. But I want to be available to you, and I think mm, offer, I like that word. Yeah, offering to someone to be available to them, and especially in whatever season of life that they might be in, moms of young children, you know, they mm-hmm. they are often eager to have just a helping hand, you know, to, for someone to walk alongside them. And I think finding avenues to get into people's lives, um, you know, to have coffee, to get to know them, ask them about, you know, where they've been and where they're going and all those things. I think that, that we, we find those ways. And then I think the natural flow of relationships, you can be very purposeful in your mind, the fact that you want to invest in them and you are getting to know them in the Lord. And so you ask them questions about their relationship with the Lord, about Mm -hmm. their walk with, with God. Like, what are you learning? And I have a a woman who, when we first started CRC, her name is Kathy and she, um, she's older than me and, uh, a huge, uh, has played a huge role in my life. And one of the things that, that we at CRC have all learned of Kathy is that she is going to ask you what the Lord is teaching you. And she's no longer here full time. She's a, more of a seasonal person. And every summer she rolls in. And when you know, when you know you're going to get together with Kathy, she is going to ask you, what is the Lord teaching you? And so you are ready to give that answer. And I think even those type of questions where you, um, you put yourself in the path of relationship to become those. It can it can feel intimidating sometimes if you're asked to, uh, you know, will you mentor me? Will you mm-hmm. disciple me? And as as that older woman, first of all, a lot of women uh, don't like to self-identify as those older women in scripture. Mm-hmm. Think, really? Because when none of us feel like older in that category of, I deserve to be in this position. Right. As you grow in maturity, do you actually feel like more mature and equipped to be able to do it? Or is there always just that element of faith where you're like, this is what God's asked me to do. And so I'm going to trust that he's going to use this relationship, even though I don't feel like I have that much to offer. I think both are true. I think in one sense we had like that. I actually have a lot of conversations with some of my younger women. As we started our church, I was one of the younger ones. And typically as churches grow and develop, everyone has come along under me that. So all of a Mm -hmm. sudden I am the old, like I am the older woman in that category, generally speaking. But a lot of the women who I've been walking with, you know, they've been around for 10 years and that, and it's kind of like, I actually help them identify that. I want you to understand you are now, you are welcome. 
you are an older woman, according to scripture, you've been walking with the Lord for a while. And so sometimes it's helpful for someone to just say that. And so I think, and I think the desire that women have, but I think that um, for a lot of women, I think they're a little intimidated by that. They're not Mm -hmm. sure what that means. They're not sure. Um, I think we tend, especially as women, to feel a little insecure about I don't know what to do. I don't know if I, they evaluate their own life. I think I don't know enough that I'm not, in a sense, I'm not worthy of that. I think that that's just simply not true. I understand that. I understand some of the fear and the anxiety of the fact that I don't know exactly what I'm doing. Um, My advice to them would be trust in the Lord. Remember that this isn't about you doing a work in someone's life. It's about the gospel working and that you are attempting to be um, someone's eyes in their life, someone's ears. You're you're paying attention to them in, in a way in which will be helpful to them. And so your trust is in the Lord and you're better off than you think you are. If you've walked with the Lord any seasons, whether that's been through much challenge or or less so, you have you have something to offer just in your experience and truthfully sometimes the greatest lessons that we help others with is in the things that we have failed in uh, the mistakes we've made and with the ability to be humble as learners in the present tense as well mm-hmm. so it's it's really more of a commitment of intentionality without having i mean like you don't have to have a lot of letters behind your name there's not a degree in discipleship it's life on life it's a it's a relationship it's a uh, it's a following but everyone's you know responsible in a sense for themselves too so i think that for for the one who is discipling, it's to it's a trust in the Lord, mm-hmm. and it's keeping it simple. You do not have to know how to pronounce all the names in the genealogy of Christ in order to <laughs> disciple. Uh, most of us would not be around, but I, I think that it's a knowing of the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, who have you known the Lord to be? How has He been good, and how has He been faithful in helping another see? that I, I think that that's what we're giving away keeping keeping our that lens of the gospel you know what does the gospel look like I think that that for me you know I I have been in a position where I don't have uh, a specific older woman who is mentoring me right now I would love that if anyone wants to sign up for them they can contact me through you uh, but <laughs> but I have uh one of the greatest gifts for me is as I began working with women and, you know, often we get in a position where we think, well, I don't know about this. You know, if you're a single woman and, and, and someone is younger than you, but they're married or, and they have children, you think, well, how can I speak into that? It's, it's not about what you know of all of life. It's about who you know and who you know is the Lord. And so you learn to listen for the place in which someone is, is, trusting or not trusting in the work of the gospel and so you i think we can laser focus on that and keep that central always looking through that lens it's like where do you hear Mm -hmm. gospel faith and where do you hear the need for encouragement to trust in that and i think that that as you keep that central you can find a lot of answers and help counsel or advice whatever you want to call it for people who've been who are places you've never been, mm-hmm. you know, experiences you've never known, but 
you know the Lord in that and the promises of God to meet them there. And so I think we keep that that central. And so I think that that is that's the platform from which we uh, we can disciple and we can um, we can take take baby steps. Yeah, you know, uh, take baby steps. You know, again, it, it might be different according to where someone is, where they're located. Uh, uh, some places, some churches, some ministries have uh, programs for discipleship, and so they have tools and pathways to just follow a system. But many of us don't have that, and and so I think we just take one step at a time and focus on what we know. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is I know hearing that. I yearn to develop and grow in my ability to see the realities of the gospel and how they apply to my everyday life and to be able to do that for others. But I often like lack confidence there to the point of where I move toward apathy. Like it's, it feels like I can't do this. This is too hard. So if a woman is listening and she does desire to make disciples, she sees the cause for discipleship, the call to discipleship in the scriptures. She hears what you're saying about growing in your gospel focus but doesn't really know what to do with all of that. And maybe she's an older woman and she just feels like a sense of shame because she hasn't done that in the past, but she wants to move forward and doing that in the future. What encouragement would you have? I love the baby steps. Maybe what would an example be of a baby step? Well, one, it's never too late. It's never too late to begin. That let me just say, I have to interrupt you and say, from a younger woman who yearns for older women in her life, Amen. We ha- there's there's got to be some period in which we're all learning here, and I think even the opportunity to learn from a woman who is learning to walk in that kind of relationship as a kind of someone coming alongside a younger woman, there's benefit even there. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, as you have shared with me in your story of, of your ministry, there are so many women out there who long for that. Yes. So you are wanted, you are needed. We need you. Yes, exactly. And I think that, um, be yourself. Uh, Don't worry about being an expert. Um, that again, the growth in the gospel is organic. The gospel will do its work. It's just walking alongside. And so I, I do think, and, and do it one at a time, mm-hmm. get to know. And also I think it can be helpful to think of, you know, just as we said before, that idea of having more than one cheerleader, um, as the disciple, you know, as the disciple looking for cheerleaders, mm-hmm. if you are a cheerleader in someone's life, solicit the help of others, mm-hmm. partner together. You don't have to do this all by yourself. As a matter of fact, I think one of the, one of the real reasons a lot of women don't venture into discipleship is because it feels very overwhelming. They don't feel like they have the bandwidth in their life. We, you know, we live busy lives. We have lots of responsibilities and they think I cannot Mm -hmm. bear all of that, you know, that responsibility for, for another outside of the responsibilities I already have. But if we, and, and to me, this is a great opportunity that the church has that don't, don't go it alone you know, partner with someone that I don't think any woman, any younger woman who longs for discipleship is going to mind at all if 
you say, what if I invite this other woman to pray with us? What if you get two for the price of one? I don't think there's going to be anyone who, who has a hard time with that. And, and I think that in, in helping that, you know, that you, uh, as you see, you know, as I see a need that women have in their life, I have learned not to try and meet all their needs. Actually, it's better for them if I find other people to help meet those needs. Because one, I can't meet everyone's needs. Two, that allow, that, that just creates a web of relationships for them and gives them other connections. And we need multiple connections. Mm-hmm. And, and then we partner together in the Lord providing for um, sometimes practical needs, sometimes bigger needs. And then, you know, when especially when we have such a sense of being in it alone. And I think that's one of the reasons we long for discipleship is we don't want to be in it alone. We, we naturally in, instinctively know that we're not meant to be alone in this. And so inviting more people in. And so, you know, partner together. And I would say pray about it, pray with others about it. And you will not have to look very far to find someone who is longing for that. No, I think you're so right. I'm thinking about myself as a young 20s, making disciples and thinking about how confident I was. I was a really confident disciple maker. And let me just apologize publicly because I know some of my former disciples have listened to this podcast. That I was overconfident. And I think now as a 32-year-old seeking to make disciples, I'm a lot more aware of my own inconsistencies, a lot more aware of my own brokenness a lot more aware of my own weakness and it's interesting because it's like I think that the knowledge of my need has made me a much better disciple maker so I'm just curious to hear as you have continued in your journey with Jesus what do you look back on to Dory in her 20s who's seeking to make disciples because I know you were and how do you think about discipleship differently now as a woman who has navigated the seasons and walked with Jesus for decades. Yeah, I I probably have some apologies to give myself if I think about it. <laughs> That's another podcast. Exactly. <laughs> and I think when we trust the Lord with that, you know, those Amen. things as well. And I, I think you grow from a place of trusting in yourself and kind of what you know, mm-hmm. what you've learned, to learning to trust the Lord. I think mm-hmm. that we I think we become more patient yep. in the work of the gospel in someone's life. Uh, it, it People take a long time to know. People take a long time to grow. And I think that you, you understand that more the older you get. I, I think that's an advantage, that you're not you're not as much in a hurry. You know that life goes fast, and yet people grow slow. Mm-hmm. And so I think that you, that's one of the gifts that we can give, like, just, it's going to be okay. You are going to be okay. There's certain things that you know by having lived through it yourself and then watching uh, people time and time again go through it. You know, someone who's in their 20s and just um, graduating from college and just adulting for the first time, that that's a real anxious time of life. There's so many questions that they have about their life, uh, what they should do, what God would have them do, their calling, where it should be, with whom, who are the people in their lives. It's it's an anxious time. And so to say to someone who is in that season of life, it's okay. It's okay. This is an anxious time. Mm-hmm. That's understandable. But the Lord, 
that the Lord will provide. And the Lord has you where you are so that you might know him in this season. Don't be too much in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, we're, we're all like that little girl who wants to, you know, grow up so fast. And, and the Lord just moves slower than that for good reason. And I think we, uh, I think we know that. And, and so I think that that's what I can see is I've just become more and more patient I think you also learn that you learn how to love. Uh, discipleship is about loving someone else. And I think that it's easy to think we hear it, we hear it from the pulpit, we see it in scripture, we're admonished all the times, love others, love others, mm-hmm. love others, serve others. I think we think that like we automatically know what that means. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll love others. Uh, loving others. Others is though it is given to us in our new nature through the power of the Holy Spirit, it is not an automatic, it is a learned thing. And I think we expect that we should know it, you know, like we should know it right off the bat. Everybody has to learn how to love and what that means. And you learn it by practicing it. And the the further you go, you understand to a greater extent what it means to love another. And and I think there's great joy in that. But I think we, we often kind of eject or bail because we think, I'm just no good at this. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, like, you know, we feel like a sense of failure. We feel like we're not doing it right. We're not enough. It doesn't go well. And so we think, I, I just, you know, um, I'll do something else in, mm-hmm. in the body. We're all called to love. Obviously, that can look like many things, but we're all called to love, and therefore we're all called to be learners of how to do that. Most of us, actually all of us, don't come out the gate knowing what that means. Mm-hmm. We have to learn. And discipleship, like you said, is also, we're all called to make discipleship in the same way we're all called to love. Yeah. And yet so many of us aren't doing it. What's your hope for the church what do you hope to see the church grow in in the coming years in regard to discipleship? Wow, that's a big question. It's a good question. I think that I I would love to see the church in general grab hold of the that universal calling that we're all called. It's not they're not professionals. Right. They're it's not for some. Um, we are all called to that. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't look the same in everyone's life because we're not all called to be in the same place and we're all at different seasons. Mm. And so I think that that we would um, both individually uh, ask the Lord to make that known to us and collectively that we would seek to uh, to be that for one another, mm-hmm. that we would think of it just not as me and my ministry or me mm. and my disciples, but this is our ministry. And so, you know, some people are going to be at a seasonal life where they have very limited time, but they can partner in many ways, you know, for, uh, for a woman like yourself who has young children and, and, and has enough to do, you don't have a lot of time and availability, or it's just very limited. You I'm know? not really going to be doing a whole lot of coffee dates. Yes, exactly. Um, you can learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can you can learn more about what it means to be a disciple. I mean, I think know the word, know the word, know the word. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're never going to even for even for your women who are in places where they have they don't have a lot of people 
face-to-face people. They can they can take advantage as they do your podcasters. We, I mean, we live in a phenomenal time of access to mm-hmm. information. So know the word. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, the number one thing that I would tell people to concentrate on. And then I would say learn about people. You know, again, there are a lot of resources. Understand how people work. Be a student of people, both in a general sense and then individually. And, you know, the truth is, if you're a mom of young children, Mm -hmm. you have your children. Your children will teach you much of how people are. They'll teach Mm. you what it means to shepherd a heart, what it means to identify sin in someone's life, what it means to encourage them and and, uh, that little faith that we can impart and that we can know and that, truthfully, we can learn from. There's, you know, sometimes a a preschooler, a three-year-old or four-year-old will be quick to call you on the carpet and and praise God, you know, (laughs) we can grow from that. And so I think that don't, uh, you know, stay in your lane, you know, that, that do what God has called you, but understand your own, your own bandwidth and your own limitations and don't fight against them so hard. Mm -hmm. Just accept where you are and know that down, down the road, you might have more opportunity Mm -hmm. as, as time allows and, and just be ready for that. Yeah. Pre- prepare for that. You might be in a time of preparation and be ready for the when one comes along your way. And I think also in, in just seeking that out as well, we, we can do that. So I think that we have to, I would love to see the church have that mindset, yeah. learn to work together. Yeah. That's one of the things as I, as you know, that we're facing as a church because we live in a place that people come for short amounts of time and then leave. I'm finding increasingly that as people leave and resettle in a new place, it's often challenging for them, it takes time. It takes time to um, to find a, a, a place to worship and, and be a part of a body. And so there's these pockets of time that are in between that people aren't, that they're not in a place where they're well enough connected where they can find that. And so they are still anchored with us and where they are. And so one of the things I want my people to know is how do we, how do we continue to support them? And, and because of technology, you know, both Skype and email and texting and all the other things mm-hmm. that we have access to, we can stay in touch and mm-hmm. we can continue to care for and shepherd and invest and be a sense of security mm-hmm. um, until they find the, the next the next mm-hmm. thing down the road that the God, God provides for them. And, but to do that well mm-hmm. and to not, and again, uh, we are working hard to learn how to do that together um, as, as we partner together with, uh, with people and like, let's invest in this person. Let's care for this person. Mm-hmm. Let's shepherd together. Mm-hmm. Um, There's also a time too for seasons, like you're saying, where people are moving to a different city new location and your admonishment encouragement to them would be to find a local church to find a person and people a group of cheerleaders to learn from in their proximity can we talk about that because i think sometimes as a younger woman having engaged in lots of discipleship relationships by the grace of god sometimes it's hard to move on because you are in that relationship where you really love this older woman and she has invested in you in ways beyond what she will ever know. In fact, I'm still learning from mentors who spent time with me 10 years ago, and I think about them often. And sometimes I have a tendency to think, 
uh, with a bit of um, nostalgia in a way that makes me sad because it's like, man, I yearn to be together. And of course that presses us into the hope of heaven Mm -hmm. and the longing to be together for all of eternity. But what would you say to maybe an older woman who is sending off a disciple uh, to a new city or into a new season or into a different church because she's decided it's a better fit for them to go to a different local church or any of those things, or to a young woman who is by God's grace moving into some, whatever the Lord has set before her. And it looks different than a former season. Like there is that period of transition, like you're talking about, and we want to be growing in that, but how do we kind of say, okay, maybe we're done. Like maybe it's time for us to move into what God has for us as opposed to continuing to kind of extend out this relationship for the rest of all eternity. That's a really good question. And I think that nostalgia runs both ways. I think that for uh, when we're discipled by someone, we we want to hold on tight. Mm-hmm. We want that to be forevermore. And in some sense it is because mm. these are eternal relationships. So And you're that, still learning exactly. decades later. Absolutely. And and then I think for those, you know, like that you know, when I when I disciple women, like they I love them and I love deep and I love hard and I like I just don't I, like I'm not quitting. That's I feel like that's a call forevermore. Uh and and yet that's it's hard. It's hard when they they move, they they go yeah. away. And and so I think that we feel that on both sides. Right. And and actually I can think back to a time in which a very vivid memory for me in discipleship probably uh, truthfully, one of the most foundational and profound things that happened to me, um, I was a, I was a student. Um, I was on a um, a summer missions project, and there was a woman who was discipling me. And truthfully, it was her assignment. You know, she uh, and I. She was probably twenty three, twenty four years old. I was eighteen. I just thought she was so much older and wiser, which makes me laugh now. But. I, you know, and I don't remember quite what was going on in my life, and and but the Lord was clearly teaching me so much through uh, through Kathy, another Kathy, um, that in terms of I was really learning about trusting the Lord as I learned to trust her, which was not my uh, my normal mode of operation. And so that was, uh, she was a great gift to me in that. And one of the things that she did that ended up being so instructive to me is uh, there, there was a, a circumstance, I can't remember the circumstance, but I was upset about something. And so I had gone to her and I was talking to her and I was crying again, not my normal mode of operation. So it was very vulnerable for me. And she was so gracious to me in that you know, she asked me a lot of questions and we talked about it and she talked about the Lord and she really struck this balance. If she allowed me to need her um, emotionally at my great discomfort in a very healthy way, uh, which was so good for me. Um, And then as we finished, we talked, we prayed, she handed me the keys to her car and she said, now I want you to go to Denny's. It was late at night and I want you to start in Psalm 62 be with the Lord. And it was profound for me. And it set a mindset for me, in a sense, towards others, is that the goal is not that someone would know me, trust me, love me, Mm -hmm. though I love that and that Mm -hmm. happens. The ultimate goal is that they would Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. trust, and love the Lord. And so I'm always looking to push them towards the Lord, which means I have to push them away from me. It's the same thing, truthfully, that we do with our children. They aren't 
you aren't to hold on to them. You are to grow them up that they might grow away from you. Uh, not that you love them less, not that they never come home, but that is the goal. And I think that too is the goal in discipleship, that they would know and love the Lord. And in order to do that, they've got to let go of you and they've got to, they've got to hold on to the Lord and the Lord will use others um, in their lives as well. And of course you want that as well. And so, but it is a challenge and, and I think we don't stop, you know, we don't stop loving. And I think those relationships, if you have been uh, in a relationship with someone, you've had that, Mm -hmm. uh, that you, you find that you can always go back to that. You know, I have, um, I I have women all the time that I have known for years and years. And sometimes the most precious thing to me is that I've had the opportunity to walk through seasons of life with people. I've known them as college girls who, you know, who grew up to have amazing careers and then they, or they might get married and then they're moms. And I've known them through all of that. That's a lot of data on someone's life. That's a lot of seasons. And what a privilege it is to have watched the Lord work in that. And sometimes all I'm doing is like, Remember 20-year-old you, and we can laugh, and we can celebrate all that God has done. And Mm -hmm. so I think that in one sense, we don't have to let go of the relationship. It just shifts and looks different as is appropriate. And that's hard on both sides. And so, so, you know, do keep in touch and and do hold on to those, but also make room for Mm -hmm. them. Man, well, I know everybody just wants to sit and continue learning from you at this point, but we have exhausted our hour. However, if they come back next week, they get to learn from you because we're going to be sitting actually with your daughter, Katie, yes. yeah. uh, and learning about discipleship kind of from the opposite perspective of the younger woman. I know they learn from me in that sense every week. I'm ever learning, ever humble, always needy. Uh, but Katie is just going to talk through that with me and uh, in a sense get to share a lot of what she's learned from watching you do this uh, over the past couple of decades. So thank you so much for letting us do that with you today. It's been an absolute joy to have you on the Journey Women podcast. Well, thanks so much for letting me talk about what I love most. My heart was so warm listening to Dory share about how we can come alongside one another and encourage each other to trust the work of the gospel in our lives. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss next week's episode on how to be discipled by her daughter, Katie. It's one of my favorite Journey Women episodes to date. If you want to take the conversation that you listened to today and discuss it with a woman in your own local church, we recommend checking out the discussion questions that we post every week in the show notes, which you can find at journeywomenpodcast.com. We'll also be rehashing some of our favorite quotes and the questions that we're asking after this interview at Journey Women Podcast on socials if you want to give us a follow. Today's episode was edited by Christine Brandt, who we are so thankful for. And as always, we're thankful for you. It's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. Can't wait to see you here next week. Oh,